0: Preface of The Life and Glories of St. Joseph This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Read by Mozart, Jr. The Life and Glories of St. Joseph by Edward Healy Thompson, M.A. Preface this is a composite work constructed with materials gathered from various quarters, principally from the dissertation of Don Antonio Vitali, Canon of the Basilica of San Lorenzo in Damaso at Rome, entitled Vita e Glorie del Gran Patriarca S. Giuseppe, Sposo Purissimo di Maria, Padre Puttivo di Gesù e Patrono Pontetissimo della Cattolica Chiesa, 1883. To him, therefore, special acknowledgments are due, not only for the valuable contributions to the present work which his volume has supplied, but for the permission to make free use of the product of his labors. The early chapters, extending to the birth of Joseph, are, indeed, almost a literal translation of his work. Subsequently, his materials have been largely used, sometimes verbally, at other times only substantially, but with frequent omissions and retrenchments. Much use has also been made of a Spanish work by P. Joseph Moreno, of the Minor Clergy of the House of the Holy Spirit, at Seville, entitled Discursos sobre las Virtudes y Privilegios de Se Joseph, 1788. It professes to be taken from the French, but if the idea or the groundwork of the compilation be as represented, its genius and spirit are indubitably Spanish being characterized throughout by that gravity, solidity, and depth which so especially distinguishes the theologians of Spain. To this work, which is both highly instructive and eminently suggestive, the present writer is indebted, not only for large portions of several chapters of the book, but for eight of the more important among them, including those on the subjection of Jesus, the paternity and offices of Joseph, his interior life, and the glory of his soul and body in heaven all of which are especially calculated to deepen our conceptions of the dignity and sanctity of the Great Patriarch. But here, as generally throughout this volume, he has not always adopted the author's language or the form in which he expresses himself, but has rather digested and developed the truths he has propounded. Occasional recourse has likewise been had to the Vita d S Giuseppe by the Reverend Vincenzo de Vit, 1868, which is valuable for the general justness and discrimination of its views. Passages from the visions and revelations of saints and holy contemplatives, St. Bridget, Sister Maria de Agreda, and others, have been interwoven with the narrative, simply in the way of illustration, and not as being invested with authority, except in the sense in which, after due examination, they have been favored with ecclesiastical approval, namely, as containing nothing contrary to faith and morals, and affording pious and profitable helps to meditation. Finally, observations and reflections have been introduced as occasion offered, which were suggested by various authors, whose works have been consulted, or which occur to the writer's own mind, from consideration of the materials before him. It is no uncommon idea, even among Catholics, that the devotion paid to St. Joseph and the lofty estimate of his prerogatives, now prevailing in the Church, are innovations of comparatively modern date, and that they have no precedent or sanction in antiquity but this is far from being the case in the writings of the ancient fathers are to be found not only what may be called prolific germs but also positive and explicit statements of doctrine which sufficiently show how deep in the consciousness of the church lay the belief of joseph's exalted dignity and sanctity and how definite a shape it had assumed even in the early ages The devotion paid to him has, it is true, been much more distinctly formulated in later centuries, when his place in the celestial hierarchy came to be more fully recognized. But from the first, this great saint had a peculiar attraction for many holy and gifted souls, who regarded him with singular veneration and affection, as the citations given abundantly testify. The Church brings out of her treasury things both old and new, according as the exigencies of the time require." And this is especially true of the devotions which have arisen from age to age, and have received her ready sanction, or, rather, have been joyfully welcomed and embraced as the fulfillment of her heart's desire. Thus the devotion to our Blessed Lady, though dating from apostolic times, received a powerful impulse at the Council of Ephesus, where the dogma of the divine maternity was proclaimed in opposition to the heresy of Nestorius, and, among other instances, may be mentioned the ardent devotion to the holy places, which resulted in the Crusades, the public and solemn adoration of the Blessed Sacrament, which found its satisfaction in the Feast of Corpus Christi and the Rite of Benediction, and, at later epochs, the devotion to the Sacred Heart, and to the several mysteries of the Passion and all their pathetic details, the five wounds, the precious blood, etc., and, in our own day, renowned devotion to the adorable face of our Lord. But what is most remarkable about the devotion to St. Joseph is that, after centuries of obscurity and apparent oblivion, it received a sudden and mighty impulse, which carried it, as it were, at a bound into the hearts of the Christian populations, and disseminated and planted it in every clime. Or, rather, we may say that the breath of God's Holy Ghost quickened into life and energy the devotion which lay, as it were, dormant and passive in the hearts of the faithful, and rapidly stirred the smoldering fire into a blaze some account of this extraordinary movement and expansion, is given in the concluding chapters of this work. If to some it may be a matter of surprise that saints and doctors should have written and discoursed, so largely and so eloquently, respecting one of whom it might appear scant notices taken in the Gospels, and of whom no single word spoken by him has been recorded, that a voluminous theology should have grouped itself around him, and that he should have been proposed by the Holy See to the veneration and devotion of the faithful as patron and guardian of the universal Church. This can only be because they have never sufficiently considered what was Joseph's position and the economy of redemption, and it may be safely affirmed that the more they realize that position, and the more they study him in his several aspects, as presented in Holy Writ, the more will his grandeurs open upon them, and the deeper and the higher will be their thoughts about him. For who, in fact, was St. Joseph, and what were the offices he filled and the privileges he enjoyed? He was predestined to be the virgin spouse of the virgin mother of the Son of God, and to be his and her guardian and protector. He was the chosen minister of the counsels of the Most High in the mystery of the Incarnation. He was for years the habitual companion both of Mary and of Jesus. He bore the divine child constantly in his arms, lovingly caressed him, and received his caresses in return. To him, as to his blessed mother, Jesus was subject in the house and workshop of Nazareth. He was as a father and a tutor to him. He was the daily witness of his hidden life, and heard the sacred words that fell from his lips all through his boyhood, youth, and early manhood. And he had the unspeakable blessedness of dying in his embrace. But further, with this sublime vocation and these incomparable privileges, the graces and virtues of Joseph fully corresponded. His merits were commensurate with his dignity and therefore it is that he ranks next to mary in the court of heaven and is seated in glory so nigh unto the throne of the incarnate word but again there is another and a fundamental christian doctrine the disregard or imperfect recognition of which lies at the root of the difficulty entertained respecting the position and power of joseph in heaven as also respecting that of his immaculate spouse it is this that our blessed lord is as truly man now that he is seated in heaven at the right hand of the father as he was when he trod the streets of jerusalem and the ways of galilee the incarnate god enthroned in his majesty on high is still our brother man nothing indeed is more remarkable than our lord's solicitude so to say after he had risen from the dead not only to prove his identity to his disciples but to convince them of his possession of the full attributes of man see my hands and feet he said that it is i myself nay more handle and see for a spirit hath not flesh and bones as you see me to have and then he took and ate before them but not only so it seemed as though he wished to impress upon them the fact that the relationship which he had assumed with men remained not merely unbroken but as it were sealed and enhanced now that he was about to ascend into the heaven of heavens the words he spoke to saint mary magdalene immediately after his resurrection go to my brethren and say to them I ascend to my Father and to your Father, to my God and your God. Words differing in their solemn emphasis, and expression from any which he had heretofore used, seem to have been uttered to this end. Thus, being ever perfect man as well as perfect God, as he had a mother and a foster-father on earth, so now in heaven Mary is still his mother, and Joseph retains the honored name of Father. The ties of their human relationship still endure, and will endure forever hence the dignity of joseph and the power of his intercession his foster father is the almighty and adorable god many books of devotion to saint joseph have been written in many languages indeed the literature dedicated to him may be said to form a library of itself the object of the present work is not only to increase and stimulate that devotion but to exhibit the theological basis on which it rests and to show how great is the amount of authority, and how strong are the intrinsic reasons for holding that a profound and solid reality of heavenly origin underlies the dignity and office to which the husband of Mary and foster-father of Jesus was elected. The chapters on the paternity and offices of Joseph, which are drawn, as has been said, from P. Moreno's work, may be particularly mentioned as having been composed with this intention. And now, humbly kneeling at the feet of this great patriarch and most powerful saint, solitary in his grandeur as in his endowments, the writer implores his blessing on a work devoted to his honor, not only for the exaltation of that honor among men, but for the glory of his Immaculate Spouse, and supremely for the glory of him, the companion and guardian of whose childhood he was ordained to be, and to whom, indeed, he owes his incomparable dignity and his very being, the eternal Son of the Eternal Father, made man for us and for our salvation. For the satisfaction of the reader. It is desirable to state that the work has been carefully revised by a most competent theologian in its process through the press. Sheltonham, Feast of the Patronage of St. Joseph, 1888 End of preface